everyone. Welcome back to the Internet Report's bi-weekly Pulse update. This is a podcast where we keep our finger on the pulse of how the internet is holding up week after week. Uh, today we're going to be talking about software development um, and in what we consider like a follow the sun model and the ripple effects that can have in sort of regional outages and can affect other geographies around from there. We're going to be looking at some instances that happen at GitHub, Apple and Google Cloud. Not necessarily all of them related, but I want to use that as a, as a theme going through there. So let's start with the download. Uh, which is a quick TLDR uh, to understand what's happening on the internet in two minutes or less. So in recent weeks, we saw three incidents at major tech companies being GitHub, Google Cloud. Now we covered that one previous episode, but I just want to revisit that because there's been a few updates and Apple. So we're going to discuss all three further in this episode, but I actually really want to highlight the GitHub service degradation, as this raises some interesting questions about the refractive impact of regional outages and how that, what they can have on other geographies. Uh, now, this is partially due to like a follow the sun model of software development, which has been embraced by major large, uh, many large companies there. Um, now, I don't necessarily know if this came into play specifically with GitHub, but what we observed suggests that it might have been a factor. But regardless of that, I think it's a valuable uh, topic to consider since it's a standard practice at many companies now. So as we know, there's no good time to have a sort of global degradation or outage, but it can be something of a relief um, when that outage isn't occurring to you, but when it's actually occurring outside of the business hours or outside of your local business hours. But what we're starting to see that the regional outage can have a refractive effect on other geographies. Um, an experience, you said, that might be uh, sort of heightened by this follow the sun model. So when we talk about follow the sun, um, what we're actually talking about is sort of doing work in uh, outside of your business hours, but then uh, so that it doesn't necessarily have an impact um, on another region that is actually in business hours because of the multiple time zones we have around the world there. Uh, so, for example, sort of many large US companies and indeed other large companies throughout the world have application development teams in India. So if they're doing some work and they actually have an outage that occurs, what could happen is that because of the dependencies that are sort of um, associated with the particular element of work they're doing, it could either have a roll onto dependencies or it could stall other work, becomes a blocker from what they're actually doing uh, within their part of development. So while appearing to pass the test in isolation, you know, so they actually run for there, it could have a detrimental effect on the holistic uh, performance of the overall service. The refractive impacts of regional outages are actually supported by our own data. Year over year, we consistently observe that between 70 and 80% of these outages occur outside of US business hours. And as a result, one might think that uh, these outages would have been limited to impact on US businesses and customers. But what we're seeing is the blast radius outage often extends beyond the US boundaries, impacting other geographies, which then comes into their, their business hours. Um, sort of down here in Australia, I'm directly sort of 12 hours outside of these. So anything that occurs in there sort of flows right into our business hours um, and have this ripple on effect coming through from there. So for organizations that utilize the follow the sun model, it's really important to have this holistic visibility. So what we mean by that is to be able to see the complete service as we go, so to the end to end, but all the dependencies, so that you can understand if I make a change in one area, what effect that's going to have on my other users. So we're eliminating or reducing those single points of failure and address them you know, before they become impacting to the users in the other regions around from there. This also starts to come into play when we talk about disaster recovery and business continuity plans. So I'm going to pause there. I'm excited to discuss this subject and the other three incidents further. 
So as always, we've included the chapter links in the description box below, uh, so you can skip ahead to any sections that are most interesting to you. And as we'd always like to hit like and subscribe, and uh, with any questions you have, please email us at internetreport at thousandice.com. We always welcome your feedback and questions. And to discuss all of this, I'd like to welcome back Brian Tobia, uh, the lead technical marketing engineer here at Thousand Eyes. Brian, as always, it's great to have you on. Thanks for having me back, Mike. Glad you're not tired of me yet. <laughs> Never tired of you, mate. All right, so we're excited to discuss these outages. Um, and before we do that, let's take a quick look at the overall outage trends we've been seeing. Okay, so now to my favorite part of the podcast where we start to look at the numbers over the past few weeks or past couple of weeks. So these are some really interesting ones this week, not that they're not always interesting. But what we're looking at here is the global outage numbers initially rose, increasing from 310 to 574. Now that's a significant 85% increase when we compare that to May uh, 1st to 7th. And this was followed by an equally significant drop with global outages dropping from 574 to 174, which is 7% decrease compared to the previous week. Now this pattern was reflected in the US as outages initially rose from 175 to 231. So this is a 32% increase when compared to that week of May the 1st to the 7th. Now US outages numbers then dropped significantly from 231 to 71 the next week, which is a 70% decrease. So if we look at these numbers, what I want to drill into is that sharp 85% increase in the global outages that we saw during the week of May the 8th to the 14th. And this represented the highest number of global outages observed in a single week this year. Now, why this increase was significant, uh, when we investigate the source of distribution and the impact of these outages, what it revealed was this increase appeared to be very localized in terms of reach and seemed to have a low to negligible impact on the majority of the global community. So, when we actually look into those numbers, what it actually looks like, whilst it is a big number, and it is a big number, if we take the outlier of the other regions that were uh, uh, that, that, that were affecting this, in this case it was APJC, um, and we then refactor that to the typical levels, then the numbers were still, while still high, they start to be quite season reflective. And what I mean by that is, if I actually go back year over year, around this sort of time, same time uh, span, what we actually see is this increase in, uh, in outages. And it seems to coincide, and as we talk about this follow the sun, they're occurring outside of business hours, which is essentially for their local region, and their region, regionalized, we actually uh, don't see sort of ripple down effect, which is why we don't see this, this global impact. But it seems to sort of coincide, said so this time of year, if I go back year over year, uh, and I'm, I'm looking at, uh, let's just call it something like a spring clean, where I go through and we're actually we're using this time uh, of the year to go through and sort of effect maintenance, do some upgrades, whatever is taking place. We don't necessarily know from there, but all we know is these outages are occurring and they're having this negligible effect uh, that we actually start to look at there. Now, another interesting trend we saw in the past few weeks is that the US-centric outages accounted for 40% of all outages observed. Um, and now this is a smaller percentage observed uh, between April 24th and May 7th, where they only accounted for 52% of observed outages. But this continues this trend in which US-centric outages have accounted for 40% or more of, or of all observed outages. Now, while this becomes interesting, again, if we actually reflect back to the previous year, at the start of the year, we actually saw, this, we saw these numbers occurring. We saw the US outages accounting for 40% or more of the um, of all total global outages or to total outages we, we saw from there. But then as we moved into the year, they decreased below that 40%, where we, we constantly saw them at 30% or lower. So when we actually came out for the end of the year, we were sitting around at 40%. 
Now this year sort of flipped around at the moment. We're actually starting to see the year started off with the low percentages. We're doing sort of 30%, 35% around there. And then the past um, uh, period, the past trend we've seen is where we've seen them all at this 40% or greater going forward. So it'd be interesting to see how that sort of continues over the year, where we continue to grow or where we actually drop back down again to see what's happening from there. It's interesting to see him from a macro scale too, like you were talking before with the fall of the sun, how now that since maybe you're not seeing the outages, since they're so spread out, maybe you don't consider them there being that many. But since we look at them from a global scale, we see the numbers going up. It's interesting to see how that that kind of trend is a little bit different too, based on if you're looking just if your application's not available or, you know, as we do from the entire internet. Yeah, that, that's actually a really good point. And this is what we're talking, exactly what you said there, is that this this follow the sun. If you know, if, if I'm only impacting in my area there, what's this third party dependency outside? How's that having an overall impact? So 100% right. This is where you want to see that, that holistic perspective. Cool. So I could pause and I could go through the numbers and I'm happy to talk about them all day and probably do to most people, so I apologise for that. But now let's, uh, let's, let's discuss some of the outages we've seen from the past couple of weeks as we go under the hood. So the first outage we want to discuss uh, really probably wasn't an outage, more service degradation, but it had some really interesting points. So on May the 9th, GitHub experienced a service degradation that had some global, um, or was global in scope, but had some really interesting regional aspects I'd like to discuss. So the outage itself sort of manifested itself um, uh, in, in sort of service unavailability. So again, as we've seen in the past, you can actually get to, uh, to, to GitHub repository or you can get to GitHub site there, but then there's certain services in the back end that you actually couldn't get to. Uh, and we were sort of seeing sort of 500 errors and sort of errors around from there. So that's one thing that we actually wanted to uh, to talk about. Um, and, and it was, although this was actually regional, why we talk about service integration is because we could actually get into the service, we could, we could uh, connect into it. But like I said, it, it wasn't uh, working. It wasn't working consistently. So because I was receiving these errors coming back, it meant that I was actually, uh, you know, if I was trying to access something, I couldn't actually get to that backend service. And so I'd retry and I could actually get through from there. So if you want to just, um, uh, if you drill into that, Brian, would it actually be the one to sort of show us how that manifests itself and what we actually saw coming out from there? Yeah, absolutely. We can take a look. All right, so I'm sharing my screen for all you audio listeners. We're looking at a share link, which is a snapshot of some data taken from the Thousand Eyes platform that I'll, we'll use to talk a little bit about the this outage here. And if you're not familiar, Thousand Eyes is a kind of a central place where you can come to understand visibility across all of your networks and applications. Easy to set up tests, as you'll see here, that we have many different monitoring points uh, you know, across the globe that we can run tests against. And we'll see some data that we're coming back from some of the tests here, and it allows you to visualize that to really understand any performance or network bottlenecks. So yeah, so this is a quick view of a share link that we took during the disruption. And this is one from Internet Insight. So this is actually showing us uh, the application. So GitHub on the right, as Mike was mentioning, and then all the different locations where we actually saw the disruption from. I scroll up on the timeline, right? So we caught this data, uh, you know, around the on the ninth, and it's pretty interesting to see again from the global scale. So this wasn't, you know, a single network not being able to get to it, or maybe a single ISP having an outage. Uh, this was really disruption across the entire uh, across the entire spectrum that we're seeing here, that the measurements that we're taking from. So this was really interesting to see. And then we have another share link, which I'll share out here, and you can see actually the details of the network and the service status, like Mike was mentioning. 
So the first thing, before we move off that one, Brian, what I also want to say is that um, it was interesting, or well, just been interesting from my perspective, is, is also if you actually drill into the um, the hosts on there, we see sort of see uh, and get public acquired by Microsoft, we actually saw it was actually hosted in both of those. So we can actually see it was affecting everything. So like you say, um, it wasn't just uh, affecting uh, local or, or, or GitHub um, infrastructure. It was actually sort of seeing where, where some of the workloads and effects been, been been moved into Microsoft there. We saw it um, impacting both of those. Yeah, that's a great point. I think it helps speak to your point before about understanding service dependencies and what different infrastructure it's hosted on or other pieces that it depends on, where we're seeing that outage too. So maybe like a rolling change happened uh, that affected other portions of the infrastructure. So yeah, I think that's an interesting thing we can definitely see here. All right, so now we're looking at a share link for the detailed test that we were looking at for GitHub. And what's interesting here is I've started us on the network view. So you can see from the timeline, we're looking during the, the purple period, which is when we actually detected that outage. And then from the map view on the network side, everything looks green, right? Everything looks good from a global standpoint. You can see all the different testing locations we have. If we go over to a table view, we can see if there's any packet loss or latency associated with any of those connections, and there's really not. So, you know, that's a story from, you know, can I get there on the network side? And, and as you mentioned before, that part is perfectly fine. I could even potentially load the website, but then it's when I started to try to do something that the errors of the service components were having problems, and we can see that. So the network view looking okay, we can now transition over to something like an HTTP server view, and that'll show us a different story. So as Mike was mentioning, the different components, those are the ones that are actually having the problem. So even though you could get there from the network side, you can see from this view, now we're starting to see some disruptions. So agents not being able to load uh, the specific page or they're not getting HTTP responses back. And if I go to the table view, we start seeing those timeouts that were occurring. So that's how this manifested itself. Not so much, uh, you know, a network outage, but now since the different components or some something, you know, wasn't responding to requests properly, now that's what we're seeing within this share link. That's, that's, that's really cool. And, and so there's a couple of things here. The, the, the first of all, I mean, I think the, the actual disruption is around sort of 25 minutes from there. And, you know, if we're looking at that, it, it's we could say, okay, yeah, that, that's obviously disruptive there. But it actually occurred um, in the early hours of the morning uh, before North American business hours. So the U.S. region was, but we're seeing from here, you know, we see the, the, the impact there, the services is a global one, that they were still sort of severely heavily impacted there. Now, um we, we said this is a network issue, and like I'm going to make a huge assumption here, or we'll make a jump. And we're not actually, well, we're not an assumption. We're not implying that this was any sort of software development uh, a change or any, any uh, uh, software push from there. Um, but but if, if you consider the processes that are, that are occurring from there, what actually happens is um, if, we, if we're in an agile development mode and we're doing a CI/CD workflow, so continuous integration, continuous deployment workflow, what we actually do is we'll We'll do our, our module and we'll actually push that out. Now, this differs obviously from if we go back um, to, I keep saying these podcasts, I'm very old, go back to when I sort of started, we're dealing with this monolithic architecture where we had a single um, branch of code coming through from there. We, we we would do like a waterfall approach. We'd actually make the, the changes and we'd do a big push all at once from there. But because we're actually agile and we break it up these modules, I can do testing and I can do unit tests to my particular bit of code and I can actually then push that out. So I can do that effectively any time of the day. Obviously, I'm, I'm trying to time this. We talked about this concept of um, uh, the, the follow the sun so and these, these distributed um, uh, development teams. Let's consider that if I'm actually doing that, I, I might actually do it and I'll do my push from there. 
everything looks green on mine. I'm actually doing everything uh, right. But that one module has dependencies outside uh, from there. And this is what we're talking about here, or potentially here. You know, I make a change to a very small element. It's not supposed to have an impact from there, but I actually start to flow outside to see what, what what's occurring across the global impact. Yeah, and the, the, it's interesting too to see sometimes like we'll see here, some agents were responding fine and some weren't. So it's interesting to see, and you can even uh, sometimes maybe even kind of take a look at or predict what, what the rollout schedule was too. Like you could see, you know, rolling it out by geo or a few different areas if a component was changed. And then you can actually, it's interesting to see kind of the timeline of that and, uh, you know, and which ones are responding, which ones weren't, and maybe even kind of get an idea of what, what the plan was or what was actually happening. So it's pretty cool to see that kind of view. It is, and that's just a good point you mentioned there. And if, if we if we think back to to um, uh, there was a, a Microsoft outage from there, and I, and I think we praised it at the time, and I still praise it. And you can apply these follow the sun strategies right through. So I understand where my users are, where do I want to focus my priority to bring something back up? You know, outages occur, incidents occur. We do these pushes. This is you know what, what we're doing from there. But when something happens, how do I bring it back up online uh, with the least impact to my users? Obviously, if everyone's asleep, then okay, let's not focus on those guys. Let's come and sort of bring it up from those. And as you say, bringing things back up in that way or applying a follow the sun strategy is really cool to actually see and sort of how it brings back up. You can, it's almost like, you know, get those those maps with the times they do. They, they can see how the, the time zones come across with the sun. Yeah. It goes for there. Yep. You sort of see these patterns coming across there. It's, it's, it's very cool. Yeah. So, so, so the other aspect of this is, is what I want to consider or want to talk about briefly is that um, if we are going to adopt a follow the sun policy, right? so we're actually going to do this. And you know, if we, if we think back to, I was talking in, in terms of when we're looking at the numbers from there, we were talking about this as, aspect that time of day, then they're occurring, they're localized, um, it doesn't have a filter down, down effect. Um, obviously, I don't want to use the domino effect because that has a different connotation. If, I, if I'm looking at an outage that radiates out, so I make a change, I want to know how big that blast radius is or how big that impact zone is. So. It's very important, I think, to be able to understand holistically uh, of what's going on. So if I make a change here, how does that impact everything else? You know, one of the things we'll talk about, and I will pause for breath, one of the things we talk about uh, quite often is um, th this aspect of something happening on the outside of the world that you're, other side of the world that you're not aware of, but might have a direct impact. Now this becomes critically important when we're talking about a follow the sun type of approach. Yeah, and I, and I think it's it's a good point. I think it's a good strategy, and it definitely has advantages. But it just highlights the importance of global monitoring to understand you know different rollout plans and where it might those changes might affect, and also components, making sure you're monitoring third parties or individual services, which alone might not seem like a big deal. But if you're not monitoring them and they affect other portions or bring the whole app down, right? That's that's critical. So I think it's it just highlights the importance of a good monitoring strategy. Yeah, thanks, Brian. That's a great point. So aside from this GitHub incident in recent weeks, there's been two other major tech companies that experienced disruptions that I think are worth just sort of briefly touching on uh, as we go through. So first, the, the, the uh, Google Cloud outage. Now, in our last episode, we discussed the water intrusion incident that occurred at the Paris data center um, that caused problems for Google's clouds uh, in Europe West 9 region, uh, which is home to three availability zones being A, B, and C. And I wanted just to briefly visit, revisit that today to give a few updates. So 
the company have actually published a preliminary incident report explaining the sequence of events. Uh, and what really what they're saying there is that there was a water leak that occurred in the cooling system that led to a battery room fire. This leak was initially confined to Europe West 9A, but because the subsequent fire required all of the Europe West A um, and uh, a portion of West 9C to be temporarily powered down, um, we actually sort of lost all the availability zones, which is what occurred there, which is what we saw and what we talked about as, as we went through. The what what um, whilst this was partially unavailable, sort of many of the regional services were affected. So again, this is back to our follow the sun. So if I actually had my workloads in that area there, and again we talked about this, that um, uh, you know if I was reliant specifically on that one area there, then I, uh, that one region I would have actually lost everything from there. But if I was able to move it around from there, and as they sort of brought back the others, they uh, they were able to um, uh, bring customers in zone C. Uh, and be where they could actually then sort of come back online and they were there and they started to move workloads across as well uh, because there's at the time we're talking here that the other uh, zone A is still sort of suffering uh, outage problems. They still don't have it from there. A few days after this report was released, the customers in zone C also experienced a near five hour outage um, of multiple cloud products went there. But it's unclear if this is actually related to these recovery processes. As I said, we're actually going through this aspect of uh, of moving workloads across because uh, zone A or A, West 9A is still down. Um, so they, they need to sort of make sure that all the workloads are sort of moved and migrated across uh, anything was, was there. Then... Uh, um, that might have been part of that, but I said there's no definitive evidence to actually to, to show from there. So one of the things I want to talk about, like I said, so that was good they came out with their report, it confirmed what we saw from there. But um, the the thing we have to consider here as well is, and we're saying if, if sort of A is sort of still down, that ultimately the, our, our software runs on um, infrastructure. And these are going to be at, uh, sort of impacted by outside conditions. Now, the, the, the story I always like to tell, tell when we, we're considering this, is that, and what I want to, the point I want to make is that there's outside uh, environmental conditions um, that, that, that might have a sort of direct impact that you need to be aware of or need to sort of take into consideration. So down here in Australia, we obviously have, um, obviously we, ha we have uh, um, uh, sort of tornadoes coming through from there. And then these can actually take out some of the regional areas. So if we're looking for those, we actually know, you can look at the weather map, you can say something's actually occurring there. We know this is the cause of the outage. So the, the, the point I want to make is, is that when we're talking about sort of, um, we talked quite a lot about disaster recovery plan last week, don't sort of uh, forget to consider the location of not necessarily where your, your data centers are, but also all these external conditions that could, could take place. Obviously, you couldn't foresee the water leak occurring from there, but things like this may happen. You need to be able to understand what's going on uh, and, and have visibility to everything that's happening there. So last uh, outage we want to talk about really is um, some Apple authentication issues. So on, on April the 11th, Apple experienced a 43-minute outage that impacted iCloud accounts access and sign-in. So the company briefly acknowledged the issue as a status advisory, saying that for some users, this service may have been slower or unavailable, and the users in the UK were among those reported being impacted. So again, we're coming back to this time of day. We're sort of looking at uh, you know what's happening from, from the, this regional perspective. But... One thing I want to talk about here is then is that the, the, this, is the, this again highlights this 
this concept of a single point of aggregation that all components need to work together. So if we're considering, um, you know, we talk a lot about DNS from there, uh, but in this case, sort of it's some sort of authentication issue. If I can't authenticate, then I can't use a service. So again, this sort of talks to this whole aspect of um, a service delivery chain, uh, understanding all the components. And again, as you said, Brian, these external outliers that, that may may uh, may have a direct impact um, that, that you don't necessarily consider to be in the chain. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So one example I've had in the past was a customer experiencing an outage who had their authentication tied through a single sign-on provider that was third party. So they weren't considering that I'm trying to log into my application, which was having no problems at all. But because it was a third party outage that they couldn't access a single sign-on, they weren't able to log in. So it was a component they hadn't considered, but was you know wouldn't let them into the application. So I think to your point, understanding the whole chain and what dependencies or what other third parties are involved is really important in, in looking at is my application up or not and, and why you know why is that yeah absolutely and then another interesting part of this you know we, well, I've said it was localized um, apparently sort of impacting the UK around from there and the other thing I sort of want to emphasize here is that it wasn't necessarily an outage it was delayed if we look at what the status codes were saying and we look at sort of the chatter that came out from there it was actually delayed it was a degradation so it wasn't necessarily unavailable so to your point considering it from there but what this also then means is that they that there may have been a backup system. So you know, I I I go to authenticate to this this system. There, it times out. Uh, I can't get to it. I have some sort of redundancy in play, or a it's be active active situation. And I actually maybe I go to a, a authentication systems in a different region, and therefore then I've got this delay in authentication. We didn't actually stop it. So to your point about understanding all my components within there, then this also then goes into how I can actually have everything. Um, uh, if I understand where the components are, then I can actually sort of have backup plans or contingency plans to make sure I maintain that connectivity or maintain that service as I go through. Yeah. I mean, as odd as it sounds, sometimes it's easier if it's just like a network is totally down because you know exactly why it's happening. But yeah. when you have a component that's failing, there's somewhere along the way, it's a lot harder to track down. Or like you're saying, if it's recovering with backup systems, it's super hard to track that down sometimes. So to have it all mapped out is is really important. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks, Brian. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, always great to have you on the podcast. I appreciate it. Happy to be on. So that's our show. Please remember to like, subscribe uh, and follow us on Twitter at Thousand Eyes. And of course, any questions or feedback or guests you'd like to, to, to see on the show, please send us a note at internetreport at thousandeyes.com. And if you want to connect with me in person, I'll be at Cisco Live Conference in Las Vegas from June the 4th to 8th. I'd love to have you stop by by the Thousand Eyes booth just to say hi. Happy to chat more about internet health and obviously always happy about talk about outage trends and numbers and networking in general. Um, and we've included the link to register in the description box below, so definitely check it out. So until next time, thank you and goodbye.